March 15th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin. If you count from the top, it's about 20 lines down the fourth word on the line. Mativ, if you recall, the Gemara had mentioned in context uh, the differences between B'nai Noach and Yisrael with regards to Dinim, which, which meant to say for the Gemara that whereas for Yisrael you need Edim, two witnesses, you need Hatra'ah, you need a warning, you need Eda, which meant a Betin of 23. For B'nai Noach, one judge is sufficient, sufficient for all the Sheva Mitzvot for sentencing to death. One witness is sufficient, uh, no Hatra'ah is necessary. However, the Beraita told us there are, there is a single law which is identical both for B'nai Noach and for Yisrael, and that is that a woman, an Isha, is not involved, not as a witness and not as a judge. Whereas for Akum, for B'nai Noach, even a Karov, a relative, is sufficient, is legal within the court proceedings, uh, both as a judge and as a witness. When it comes to Yisrael, what happened? It's, for my, for my own uh, posture reasons. When it comes to, Yis- when it comes to Israel, uh, uh, Karob is not, but with regards to Isha, the Gemara, the Beraita told us, there is no difference. As the Gemara, Mativ Rav Hamnuna, Rav Hamnuna challenges, he questions that point, Mativ, uh, we switch the taf with the Shin in Aramaic, he's Meshiv, he's responding. Isha la Mifkeda, is it really so that a woman is not commanded? Mifkeda, Pikadon, or Pikude rather, is, is to be commanded. Is she really not commanded? A Pakid is a person who's mandated. The Haketiv, doesn't the Pasuk say, by Abraham Avinu, ki yedaativ, lema'ana sheyesavet banav. The Pasuk with regards to Abraham, which we cited earlier, a death and a half ago, with regards to Din, the fact that B'nai Noach are misuvim, are commanded in the context of Din, of judgment, of setting forth a righteous system for themselves. We quoted this Pasuk by Abraham Avinu, La'asot Sedakah, Mishpat, justice and righteousness, is part of the legacy, the commandments, Yisavet, Banav, he's going to command his children. The understanding is this is what he's supposed to be involved with. Well, listen to the words of the Pasuk. It says, First and foremost, sons. And his household. What Beto coming to include? If not, women as well, his daughters as well. Well, that being the case, Slaves is going to make it even more crazy. At the very least, we have his sons and daughters, do we not? And as a result, if we're arguing that it's sons and daughters, and again, the Pasuk is talking about mishpat and tzedakah, we're imagining that meaning, justice and righteousness. We're assuming that's somewhat synonymous with regards to dinim. It means women are part of it as well. Not only banav, but, but beto aharav. Would it really? How much more explicit could we be? It's a, it's a flourish of speech, I, I, I do believe. In other words, banav very often will just be the way we're going to talk about this in the Torah. Uh, but uh, listen, you have emor el b'nei Yisrael, and we'll talk about b'nei Yisrael, not b'not Yisrael. Emor ala kohanim b'nei Aharon, b'nei Aharon velo b'not Aharon. So the fact that it doesn't just say in a, in a, in a Torah language, banav is already telling. The fact that Tum'ah, that's, that's the beginning of Parashat Emor, Tum'ah is not a command on Kohanim that are women, but only on men. Emor la Kohanim bene Aharon. So it means over here, it could have and should have just said, Banah. In other words, 
quite the opposite. If I'm saying from within the Torah language, it should have just said banav. The fact that it says banav and beto, so you ask a question. You say, why mention both? Why not just say beto aharav? Important question, which will really be part of the answer of the Gemara. I'll go a step further. Why not just say mishpat? Why say tzedakah umishpat? Or just say tzedakah. If those are synonymous as well, if tzedakah, if righteousness and justice are the same thing, then why mention those as well? So you're right, there's a lot of extra words in this pasuk. If we were really talking to all, we could have and perhaps should have just said beto. If we were really just talking about justice in terms of the court systems, it should have just said mishpat or just tzedakah. As a result, the Gemara will indeed respond to this. Says the Gemara, okay, again, hum motivla vehum mefarekla. Rav, uh, uh, Rav Hamnuna both asked this question, he has had this as a response to the earlier statement, and he then answered it. Lefarek really means to unpackage. So over here in our context in the Gemara, Piruk is, uh, is unpackaging and being able to answer. That's the same Lashon of, of Peshat, Mifshat Pashitle. When you spread something out, when you unpackage it, you're able to look at it carefully. You're able to discern. Oftentimes difficulties, confusions are because things are twisted and piled one on top of the other. When you're able to spread it out, to unpackage it, you're able to answer it. Rav Hamnuna, who asked the question, he answered it. How so? Banav Lidin Beto Listaka. He split it up. He said the Pasuk does, as Nathan pointed out, mention both Banav and Beto. As I pointed out, it mentions both Mishpat and Sedaka. So he suggests that each one of them is linked into a specific uh, a- aspect and facet. Whereas Banav, we mentioned sons, that is Lidin, that's Le Mishpat. That's for the, the, the core justice, it's only men. What about Beto, his, ch- his daughters, his entire household? That's Litztaka. That's for a separate entity and facet. So again, breaking it down first and foremost so we understand the answer, and then to try to understand what the Sedaka business is really all about. It goes as follows. The Pasuk does talk both about men and women, but it also talks about Mishpat and something else called Sedaka. Mishpat we're defining as, as, as the law system, as the witnesses, as the judges. Okay, that being the case, banav, which is quote-unquote unnecessarily mentioned, is mentioned in the Pasuk to tell you that for mishpat, that for judgment, with regards to the strict letter of the rule judgment that we're dealing with, men and women involved, it's only men, that, that's banav. What about betoa harav? What about his household? That's for tzedakah. What is tzedakah? Yad Ramar Bimeir Abu Afia has two interpretations to the word tzedakah. First, he says that it's possible it's referring to the Gemara's interpretation of that word on the Vav Amudbet, the Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin. To find the word tzedakah in that context as bitsua or peshara. We talked about two methods and two ways of judgment. One is Yikob Adin It's the Moshe Rabbeinu approach. It's your hayav and your zakai. It's uh, your right and your and the other one's wrong. That's one approach. That's mishpat. Alternatively, Tzedakah was, well, we can find some sort of intermediate uh, level over here. We can find some medium. Let's try to mediate in this circumstance. Tzedakah then means mediation. Tzedakah means finding a peshara, a compromise. And as a result, yes, women of B'nai Noah would be involved in such a system, in a system which brings forth tzedakah, not a system of mishpat as we know it. Alternatively, and maybe more simply says Yad Rama, it says the interpretation of tzedakah means tzedakah mamash, it means charity, it means the ability to help others, that women 
women of B'nai Noach are commanded in as well. Women are commanded in as well. It's not one of my seven mitzvot B'nai Noach. I didn't know men were commanded in tzedakah. The suggestion of Yad Ramah then is that the word tzedakah in this context is mehadesh something, and it's not that these sheva mitzvot, the Gemara will only almost explicitly say this later on, it's not that these sheva mitzvot are to the exclusion of all others. It's that these are the seven negative, the prohibitive commandments of B'nai Noach. doesn't mean that they don't have positive commandments. Something like tzedakah, the Gemara is accepting, they have and are a part of as well. In fact, the Aharonim do debate in this context, why don't we make a beracha on tzedakah? We make berachot on many mitzvot, we don't make a beracha on tzedakah. The suggestion of Arucha Shulchan and some others, I remember learning that Arucha Shulchan as a, as a high schooler, because for me that was a fascinating question at the time. I got older, I, I don't know, I guess the question perturbed me less. But it comes up from time to time. On, on, on Purim, there's always a question. Why do we make a beracha on Mikra Megillah? Not on Mishlach Manot, Matanot Le'evionim, and Mishteh. Those are important questions. In other words, if they're all mitzvot midrabanan, if anything, uh, the, those mitzvot are the ones mentioned in the Megillah, seem to be accepted by all, and we maybe diminish their stature and status. So people aren't always as scrupul- scrupulous in them because we don't make a beracha. Might also not do them in the sin. God, but whatever. That's the circumstance and Rashbad deals with this. Many of the Rishonim deal with those sorts of questions. Anyway, when it comes to tzedakah, that would add for many people a lot of berachot every day. I'm supposed to say a hundred berachot. Imagine you give tzedakah. Every time you give tzedakah, you're making a berachah. The suggestion of some is well, this is a mitzvah which B'nai Noah are part of. It's a logical mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah which, so to speak, binds us to HaKadosh Baruch Hu based on his sivui. It might be that I give tzedakah and you hopefully give tzedakah with the mindset of I'm fulfilling Asher Kedishanu B'mitzvotav V'sivanu. He commanded us, we're Am Yisrael, and we have this mandate. Might be so, but ultimately speaking, so is your neighbor and uh, the person down the block, all of whom might not be Jews and are a part of this as well, not because of Sivui, because this is something that makes sense. This, this is something which is binding in terms of any society which is going to be upholding itself with regards to helping the needy. As a result, the Gemara talking about Sedaqah might lend reason for us as to why I don't make a Berachah. It's a logical Sheva Mitzvot B'nai Noach Mitzvah. As a result, we don't make a Berachah. But for our purposes, we dealt with the issue. The issue that we started with, the question of Rav Hanunah, why is it that we stated earlier women, to aren't, women aren't a part of Deen, a part of Mishpat for B'nai Noach? I thought they are. The answer is they're not. They're a part of Sedaqah, not Mishpat. Amalek Indeed, says, says Jeffrey, if we're going to line it up properly in terms of symmetry, I wasn't sure anyone was going to pick up on that, did think about that. So the Pasuk doesn't read perfectly, quote unquote, because it goes like this. It says, first, Banav, then Beto Aharav. And then it talks about La'asot Tzedakah first, which you'd imagine is lining up to Banav, and then Umishpat, which you'd imagine is refer- referring to Beto Aharav, it would, if it was perfect. I mean, if it was perfect in our mind. No, Chatz V'Shalom, If it was perfect in our eyes, it's a derasha over here. The derasha is that we mentioned to, you want a logic for why it does it differently? Well, I mean, the way lots of times the Torah, the Chachamim's reading of the Torah, I'm making this up as we go, but I'm going to tell you. What the answer might be is, Nathan would like that, make it up on the spot, this type of answer. It goes like this, et banav vet Beto Aharav. And first I'm going to address the Beto Aharat. Now that I mentioned A and B, I'll now address the B first, and then I'll deal with the, the A. It's not, it's not beyond the stretch of imagination. Maybe because you want to say something nice first. 
In other words, you're going to go through, let's say... It's no, so it's said, is what brings a loving peace. Certainly if it's the Pishara, and only then am I going to mention the Deen. Beautiful. All right, either way. Anyway, says the Gibbara, what I'm saying is that in my mind, it doesn't need to be scientific. It needs to be that I can suggest that this would... Anyway, so, but both, both work. Amar le ravavya sabah le papa ema batnoach shaharega lo tehareg... Says the Gemara, says the challenge of Rav Avyasa Papa, who should we suggest, based on what we've been discussing, that a Bat Noah, a, a non Jewish woman who kills, should not be killed? Well, what do you mean she shouldn't be killed? Well, you've been reading these Pesukim very carefully, very scrupulously, very literally, and the Pasuk said, with regards to murder that we talked about, Ish achiv edrosh. It's the first pasuk we mentioned on this on this amud, and the pasuk says miyad ish from the hands of a person. I'm going to demand their soul if they exact the soul the, the soul of another. Miyad ish miyad Doesn't the pasuk? If I'm reading it very literally, which you seem to be leading me in that direction, banav and beto and ish and each one of these words you're telling me are very literal, very important. Well, then I should say a man as opposed to a woman. Is it so? And he sees it as a question because he thinks it's inconceivable. In other words, maybe the answer is yes. Inconceivable. Inconceivable that we're going to talk about B'nai Noach and we're going to say the men are commanded in not murdering with the punishment of death, but not the women. He suggests, he's, so again, he says, Rav Yehuda answered based on the next Pasuk. Again, these are two Pesukim and Parashat Noach. After the Mabul, that first Pasuk, going to demand your soul if you take the soul of another. And then there's the more famous Pasuk, the Pasuk that immediately follows, and that's Shofech Dam Ha'adam Ba'adam Damo Yishafech. Well, that Pasuk does not talk about man or woman. It talks about Adam. Adam refers to human. And as a result, he responded, this is Rav Papa, said the following with regards to women, B'nai Noach, involved with murder. The description of the Pasuk is Dam Ha'adam, means uh, the, the blood of a human being as opposed to a male human being. Says the Gemara Ema, should I alternatively suggest, Bat Noah Shezinta Lotearek? Maybe if a non Jewish woman is involved in promiscuous sexual activity, she shouldn't be put to death. Where are you coming up with that? I mean, you don't have uh, Ish over there, do you? Yeah, of course I do. He says, Dichtiv al Kenya Azov Ish. Velo Isha, Pasuk says, this is in Parashat Bereshit. Rashi writes in Skamtari Torah, this is Batkol, which is Yoseit. It's after the description of Hava in Perek Bet being created from Adam of Bereshit. And the Pasuk says, Alken, therefore, Ya'azov Therefore, human beings, men human beings, will leave their parents and cleave to their wives and they'll become one flesh. But wait a second, the description is it means that the commandment to find only your significant other as opposed to that of others is only on the ish. 
Well, maybe if there are women who are B'nai Noach or B'not Noach who are involved with such wrongful activity, the Pasuk is never even hinting to us that they're a part of this. Ish, Aken Ya'zov Ish, Velo Isha, Amale, the response again is from Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda was on top of this as well. Hake Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Vehayu lebasar Echad, quote unquote, Hadar means afterwards, Arbinu, mix them up, Kera, the Pasuk, which means say, although the Pasuk begins with Alken, therefore Ya'zov Ish, Etavi, then last words, means, and they'll become one flesh. The reading of the Pasuk through the eyes of Rav Yehuda is, and they, in becoming one flesh, become almost synonymous, become so similar to one another that the command on one is the command on the other. Do you understand? In other words, we're not going to argue this was only on the Ish. This is Basar Echad. They're all one. Now, Peshat, or at the very least, what's that? But the point that in the same pasuk we're talking about one leaving and going to the other, and then they're one, it means that our vision is supposed to be, as he reads it as, they're all one. That you're right, uh, says Rabbi, listen, just read the pasuk through. It means, maybe not even once they're married, maybe even further than that. Rashi in his commentary to the Torah, and Perusha la Torah suggests this is the creation of a child. Nothing to do with us being one. It's the creation of a child when a male and female come together. They bring forth one flesh, meaning a child. Okay, Rabbi Yehuda is reading it differently. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda is reading it as a statement in terms of relationship with regards to responsibilities. We have the same responsibilities. Since we are making Basar Echad, since we are involved in Basar Echad, it's almost as if Rabbi Yehuda is reading it as it's an act of Basar Echad as opposed to creation of Basar Echad. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, Rashi in his Perusha la Torah reads it as Vayul Basar Echad, one flesh comes out, but so to speak, we're still separate, says Rabbi Yehuda. No, 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 no. You're not separate. You're one and the same. Which makes a lot of sense in the context of the Torah. In Bereshit Perek Bet, we started with one flesh. We started with one person. Then we have putting to, putting to sleep and Hava being created from him. And then, if you're Davak Bishto, you come back to the original state of Basari Had, which in the eyes of Rabbi Yudah, halakhically speaking, means you have the same responsibilities. All right, says the Gemara onward. Ta- What's that? He's not married what do you mean she has no responsibility? Absolutely. The same way as a man. Both men and women, they have the same responsibilities. That's the point. means although it appears as if they're separate, although it appears as if I'm telling the man, they're really one flesh. That's how he reads it. So as the Gemara Tanur Rabbanana Beraita, and this Beraita will now push us forward into a technical discussion of Several other aspects of B'nai Noach. Ish, you see the Pasuk says, Ish, Ish, El Kol She'er Besaro, Lo Tikrav Ligalot Erva. The Pasuk says that Ish, Ish, another one of these Ish, Ishes, right? Ish, Ish, meaning any person. El Kol She'er Besaro, to any of their relatives, should not come close to reveal nakedness, which means Gidui Arayot. But why does the Pasuk talk about Ish, Ish? It seems to be a reference again to B'nai Noach. That's an interesting thing. Uh, we'll understand in a moment that we didn't need quote-unquote such a pasuk. We already derived the concept of B'nai Noach being in Nizhar, being warned and commanded to stay away from wrongful sexual activity with family members, with relatives, from the pasuk Lemor, Vaisav Adonai Elohim Adam Lemor, we made this dirasha already two tapim ago, an amud and a half ago. As a result, this dirasha, which is about to come in the Biraita, is going to be seen as superfluous. It's an extra dirasha. If you already told me in the Torah, maybe veiled, maybe a 
Shemes, but you told me in the Torah that B'nai Noach, non-Jews, are commanded to stay in line when it comes to their involvement with relations. Why do you need two Pesukim to teach the same thing? Tanur Rabbanan de Beraita taught Ish Matamud Lomar Ish Ish Lerabot et Hakutim Shemuzharin al Ha'arayot by the way, this Gemara says, instead of Kutim, it says Goyim, which means to say uh, we're referring not only to those from Kuta, referring to Goyim. That's the whole sugya. Why does it say Kutim? It says, before it was censored. Any of these conversations were for long. We are very nervous stating them objectively and, and clearly that we're talking about all non Jews. So we turned it into we're talking about the Kutim, this nation that none of you know about. About and so forth, we would say to our uh, neighbors, the non-Jews. Okay, um, the Gemara I prepared with this morning did not have that note. Anyway, says the Gemara: Tanura Baran Ish Matamudomar Ish Ish Lerabotet Hakutim or Hagoyim Shemuzarina Al Haarayot Ki Yisrael. That's the statement here in the Beraita. Both Bnei Noach and, of course, Yisrael are commanded in Arayot. Says the Gemara: Veha and this Vize Mehacha from here Nafka. It is derived. We're deriving love Bnei Noach being Mesuvim Al Haarayot from this pasuk Ish Ish Mehatam Nafka. From there it is Hatam Sham. There it's derived. What's there? Lemor. That's what we saw in the Gemara not too long ago. That Lemor was a derashan. That word Lemor. We linked it up to another place. Lemor, the Amira, is with regards to proper or improper sexual relations. Well, that being the case, why do I have two derashot which seemingly teach the identical law of Bnei Noach being misuvim, being warned? And prohibited in Gilui Arayot. Answers the Gemara Hatam Ba'arayot Didhu. Ve'acha Ba'arayot Didan. It's a fast, fascinating answer. Says the Gemara, when the Pasuk to Adam Harishon says Lemor, and we derived from that the Isur of Gilui Arayot for Nochrim, for Bnei Noach. That's regards, with regards to one of theirs having relations with another of theirs, which means to say Gilui Arayot within the non Jewish family. That's one circumstance. What about if they get involved in our families? What about if it's a non-Jew who has relations with an Eshet Ish Yisrael? What about if it's a non-Jew who gets involved in some way or another with a Jewish wrongful relations? Is it the same Sivuis? Of course you'd say, what type of question is that? If you told me within their families they're not allowed, certainly that in our system it's not going to be any different. Hang on, says the Gemara, but first and foremost again, Hatam, that first Pasuk is Ba'arayoti too. This Pasuk, Hachal, Pasuk of Ish Ish is Ba'arayot Didan. Didan means of ours. Dekatane Sefa. First we prove it. Ba'al Arayot Yisrael Nidon Bidine Yisrael. After all, the final statement in the Beraita, or one of the final statements in the Beraita is if they have involvement with the Yisrael woman or Yisrael wrongful relations, they get deemed, they get judged as a Yisrael. So it does mean that we're describing in this Beraita of Ish Ish involvement with us. What does that mean? What those words mean over there? The statement at the end of the Beraita is they get din as Yisrael. I mean, I really, I opened up the day with you, and we ended the day yesterday by talking about how our dinim, our system built for us, is a lot more strict, a lot more stringent with regards to exacting the punishment. You need 23 judges. You need two witnesses. You can't be relatives. You need a warning. Are you telling me, I mean, this is a crazy thought, the Gemara is about to question. Are you telling 
telling me if they got involved in their families and their wrongful activities, all right, they got judged, we'll put to death, and so on and so forth. They got involved with our family, we're going to be a little bit more. I'm not sure I'm putting him to death. I'm not sure she's going to be put to death. Why not? Well, after all, she got involved with our family. What do you mean? And we're going to be more lenient because they had wrongful relations with Israel. Seriously, I mean, uh, in terms of division, in terms of the the vision of the Torah of separation of goyim and, and Israel, you're going to tell me that for some reason there's going to be more leniency, more pliability when it comes to this context. Isn't there a penalty also on Israel women? Could it happen if they get the, if they get the, the goy? Yeah, it's going to no be question. I, I understand. I mean, I'm not fully certain. I understand your question. What if, if, if taking a non-Jew going with a Jew? Yes. So if he's put to de- if if you're stringent with him, yes, then it's going to be the same thing on the other side. True so as you well. Have, so, you have so you need to do it like that. You need to do it. Yeah, you need to do it the more the, t- the more lenient way. The more lenient way. Okay. So we amount to the same question. The yeah. question of the Gemara will be: Why is it to be more lenient in this country? Yeah more lenient, quote-unquote, within the context of Dean. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. It's less strict with regards to bringing forth death penalty. If I only need one, says the Gemara, what sort of halakha were you talking about? Again, the Gemara will think it inconceivable. Indeed, that's what it means. Which rabbi? Rabbi Baravua. Rabbi Baravua says that is the halakha. If a non-Jewish person gets involved with Israel, with arayot, you want to know what the judgment is? As we've seemed to have set forth, uh, they don't need 23, and they don't need two witnesses, and they don't need a warning. Says the Gemara, migra, gara? Question mark, exclamation point. Legarea means to take away. The Isur in the Torah, Baltigra means to take away from the mitzvot. That's what the words mean. The question is, it's inconceivable. You're going to tell me that when it comes to a non-Jew's involvement with us, all of a sudden we're going to make things easier upon them, quote-unquote, with regard, they, they can walk away alive? There wasn't enough of a system that we could structure to put them to death in that context, but they got involved wrongfully. I understand Nathan says, but then you have to deal with the Israel and Okay, we'll split the judgment. We'll deal with the non-Jews in one fashion. We'll deal with the Israel in another fashion. When it comes down to it, or, I mean, I'm, I'm dreaming and I'm saying it speculatively, or we'll be more, quote-unquote, lenient, stringent, whatever you want, on the Israel as well. We don't want you involved outside. It's not that I'd rather you inside doing wrongful relations, but I certainly don't want you outside with these wrongful relations. The Gemara thinks it inconceivable. In such, says the Gemara, rather it must be, says Rabbi Yohanan, as we discussed, the concept of erusin, certainly the concept of being put to death by sekila, for a na'araham orasa, for a woman who's engaged, is not in, is, is inexistent for non-Jews. For Jews, the Torah talks about in Sefer Devarim, Parashat Kitetse, there's a woman who's engaged and has wrongful relations, sekila, both the man and the woman get put to death by stoning. We've talked about this, we've discussed 
discuss this. We've deliberated upon these laws more than once for more than one day. Well, that being the case, that's a Yisrael halacha. There's no such concept, no such entity of erusin by a non-Jew. By a non-Jew, you have be'ulat ba'al. You have a status of there was relations. If there's erusin prior to nisuin, if there's uh, engagement prior to marriage, there's no such concept. Says the Gemara for them there's no such concept so for argument's sake in a circumstance where the non-Jewish person enters into the Israel relations with a woman who's a arusa let's do that for argument's sake the circumstance is a non-Jewish man with a Jewish a Yisrael woman who's me'orasa what's the halacha going to be the man is going to claim in my laws in my Noahide laws there's no such concept there's no entity there's no such thing as me'orasa what's engagement oh, that's a cute thing we do we give a ring of some sort it has no stature has no status according to the system you taught me rabbis or Jews and we say in that circumstance but it's not so that's if it was in your that's with you we derive from ish ish that if you were involved, non-Jew, in such a circumstance, in such a circumstance, the halachas were going to judge in such a circumstance, if we were judging in their deen, there would be no issue. If judging with regards to us, in such a situation, they would be put to death and be put to death in our fashion with sikila. Saifu says the Gemara. I, I just want to break this all down. I want to understand it. The Biraita seems to negate somewhat what you've been setting forth for me. <coughs> because my understanding was that in this situation, and specifically in this situation, we're going to be judging them. The halakha was, as we said, bidin Yisrael. And so as a result, I want to understand in a circumstance of we understand nidom biskila al eshet ish. If there's a relations with a full-fledged woman who's married, not me'orasa. As a non-Jewish person gets in, what's the halakha going to be in such a circumstance? I understand killing. In what fashion? No. So if it's a Yisrael to Yisrael, the halakha is henek. If it's a non-Jew to a Yisrael, I would imagine it's being judged like their judgment. We have stated several times in the past that the judgment for non- non-Jews is saif. It's always beheading. Shofech dam ha'adam ba'adam damo yishafech. Uh, the understanding was saif. So how come over here all of a sudden it's nidon behenek? That's the question. That was the Gemara questions. You told me that the ish ish now is coming to include, it's a little technical, but you're coming to include specifically and only one circumstance. If it's a na'araham orasa of a Yisrael to a non-Jewish person, the halakha is going to be biskila like our deen. But if it's any other circumstance, it's going to be bidinadidu, their judgment. As a result, this should not be behenek, this should be besayif. Say it doesn't make much of a difference. It makes enough of a difference in the technical aspect. It's, it's true. We're still going to put to death. It just, in terms of our system, doesn't seem to add up. Tosafot points out, and the Gemara at the end will come to such an opinion. We did see an opinion yesterday, at the end of class yesterday, the opinion of Tanah Deve Menashe. Tanah Deve Menashe's opinion was, in general, 
when it comes to non-Jews, they're not put to death by Saif, they're put to death by Henek. Where did we derive that from? If you recall, you're putting to death internal death for them. What's an internal death for them? Not beheading, not stoning, not burning. It's rather when you strangulate. So Tosafot says you could have, that's the second Tosafot. The second Tosafot from the top. After all, we saw this opinion that any death penalty is always in which case this question would not be a strong one. Okay, but the Gemara doesn't go that way. The earlier Tosafot, I should just mention, you might have, if you're, if you're well-versed, uh, Rabbi, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit unimpressed with you today. If you know your Midrashim, if you read your Me'am Lo'ez and so forth, so you know that the Midrash says about Esav, the Midrash says about Esav, on the day that the Bechora fiasco took place, he was involved with many sins, according to the Midrash in Masechet Bava Batran Zayin. One of them was that he was Bo'il Na'aram Orasa, one of them is his relations with an engaged woman, internally, within the rabbinic system, whatever that fully means, and clearly it means more than just that sin. When the Hachamim talk about such realities, they're teaching lessons about entities, about realities, beyond just a course activity. But whatever it means, uh, says Tosafot, but he's not misuveh on it. You can't talk like that about an Isav prior to Matan Torah. There is no entity, there is no concept of Na'aram Orasa. That's what our Gemara is making very clear to us. You only have that for Yisrael, the Hidush is that a Benoach will be Misuveh if they get involved with a Yisrael of Me'orasa. Says Tosafot, I understand it's no entity, but you would still say it's not a disgusting act. You wouldn't say it's still Mechoar when the rabbis say that about Isav, which is a very important. What's that? I understood. Okay, that's going to match up. This is not going to match up. No, but the statement of Tosafot that it's still a mechoar act, it's still a disgusting act to be involved with that, is very, very much in line with the Isab that the Hachamim described. Isab is a very fine, uh, fine-touched rasha in the, in the context of uh, rabbinic thought, which means to say he's asking questions because, as Rashi quotes in his commentary to Torah, because he understands halacha, so to speak. He understands the way this works works. So he'll turn and he'll ask about halachot of ma'asir. It's not because he doesn't have a will and an understanding of, quote, the right thing to do. It's within that system he's found the ways to impress and to still do wrong he found, you know, he's the classic circumstance. The person who knows too much against themselves to their own detriment. You understand the system so well, you found a way to scheme the system. That's the vision of Tosafot. When I read this, when I learned this Tosafot this morning, it clicked for me. Well, that's the Isaac personality. That's who he is. He's the Israel Mishumad, as the Gemara says in Masechet Kiddushin. He's the individual who understands it, who tapped into the system and still found, but I'm not really commanded in this. Yeah, but it's a disgusting thing to do. You're right. Quote, unquote, you don't have na'ara mora. So that's what you're involved in. Am I commanded? It's the naval b'rshut Torah. Anyway, says the Gemara over here. Says the Gemara, in the last narrow line, Saifu. What's that? I'm, I'm finishing up. Says the Gemara, Amar of Nachman by Yitzchak, Maya eshet ish de katane, kigon shenichnisa lehupa velo niv'ala, deleditu let lehu de dayninan lehu bedinadidan. Says the Gemara, says, says Rav Nachman by Yitzchak, rather, I'll give a different 
different as a suggestion for what we're talking about in this context of the eshet ish, for which the, the non-Jews getting involved with us is an entity, and that is nichnesa lechupa velo niv'ala. We'll come back to this tomorrow, but effectively it's not about engagement, it's rather about the beginning of marriage without be'ila, without relations, but nichnesa lechupa. You began the activity, you didn't actually consummate the marriage, which for non-Jews is a non-entity without be'ulat ba'al, without an actual activity of sexual relations, but nonetheless there'll be an inclusion with regards to the ish-ish. We'll finish this up tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.